We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Steven, the host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are available on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. We do appreciate any ratings or reviews and all subscribers to our YouTube channel. That being said, today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is our sponsor, who has been great for us. They've been an amazing partner to work with, and they have some great products to make sure that you are feeling your best for the upcoming summer months. If you're feeling a little frisky downstairs, they have the Lawnmower 2.0. They also have anti-chafing boxer briefs, which are a personal favorite of mine, as well as ball deodorant and some amazing smelling cologne. If you use the code GUILTY at checkout, you get 20% off and free shipping your purchase. Again, that's the code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. Apparently, I don't watch enough All-22, but <laughs> which means I don't know football, but that's okay. Um, with me, as always, are my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I've uh, watched zero All-22 this week, so you've watched more All-22 than me, buddy. So you're you're the football <laughs> enthusiast on this panel. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man. We'll, we'll get to all the Cowboys fun stuff today, but... Uh, Tyler is here as well, man. How you doing? I hope the Chargers absolutely whoop the Cowboys' ass on Sunday because I can't stand to be sitting around <laughs> 60,000 other Cowboys fans who are all as dumb as the ones we've interacted with on Twitter today. I could not stand it. If you look at my YouTube screen, I have that up there for a reason because Cowboys fans apparently think that Joey Bosa is both lazy and not good yeah. against the run, which is <laughs> it blows my mind that they've come to that conclusion. But here we are. So listen. I get to log off and go on with my life. They're stuck being Cowboys fans, so I at least win at the end of the day. <laughs> my favorite thing about the Joey Bosa one is that the guy who said, like, he he put up this, you know, the mashup of clips of Joey Bosa against the run, and he's like, Joey's lazy. Like, the, the Cowboys should exploit that. And then, like, half the clips that he included are, like, legitimately elite plays <laughs> against the run by Joey Bosa. I'm like, what are you looking at, my guy? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I, I can't imagine being Alex stuck in the NFC East and having to deal with these guys <laughs> twice a year. 
So bless you, Alex. No wonder you're so bitter and salty. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. I mean, the Eagles have won a Super Bowl more recently than and most of their fans have been alive. So true. Yeah. Very true. So uh, before we get started, we do have an announcement, which I did share on Twitter today. Um, we would like to give a huge shout out to Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports, who is now the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast. You've probably seen them floating around on Twitter because they uh, host some of the diehard football club events. So we are very happy to partner with them. Really excited about uh, what they are able to offer. I haven't been personally, uh, but I, the food has looked amazing. So please go check them out. And if you use the code GUILTY, they will give you a 10% discount at your next visit. So uh, go check them out on Thursday Night Football, Monday Night Football, whatever the case may be. If you're not able to go to the game on Sunday, go visit Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports, and you can hang out with some other Chargers fans, eat some wings, and uh, get a 10% discount. So shout out to Chicky Chicky Wings and Sports, the official sports bar of the Guilty as Charged podcast. That being said, let's dive right into this matchup of the Chargers and Cowboys. Again, similar format of last week. Let's start with the biggest storylines that we are focusing on. Uh, and Tyler, I'll ask you first, what's kind of the big storyline you're focusing on for the Chargers and Cowboys matchup? Yeah, I mean, they could go different directions for this one, but I'm looking at how Joe Lombardi will adjust the Chargers offensive game plan, if at all, but I think he will heading into week two, because if you watch my most, most recent video, they were building the play action passes, the bootlegs from under center as a big part of their offense, big part of the Shanahan thing whether it's out of play action because of their outside zone, because the quarterback can keep it, whatever. That's a big part of their offense. The Chargers completely ditched that part of their offense, which is, I think, genius against the Washington football team because the Washington football team is the seventh best team versus play action. I'm talking about last year. And the third best versus play action passes from bootleg. This week is completely different. Dallas is the eighth worst team against play action and the sixth worst, worst team in terms of EPA versus bootleg plays. So, I think they could adjust their offense, put that back into their offense like they're working on all offseason, and make it work. And if you want to go a little bit further, Herbert doesn't necessarily have to throw it on those plays. He can also keep it. And Dallas gave up the seventh most, seventh most rushing yards to quarterbacks last year. So I think there are different ways you can attack this defense that you really couldn't do, that we didn't see the Chargers really attempt to do against the Washington football team. But now you have this team. And so I want to see, you know, I, in general, we knew with Steichen, with Lynn, what the game plan was kind of going to be. I think this time around, it could be a personnel thing, it could be a scheme thing, whatever. I think Lombardi and Staley will change their offense and ask Herbert to do different things because of the of what they can do and also the opponent in front of them. So I'm really interested to see how Lombardi adjusts the game plan, if at all, to beat the Dallas Cowboys because they really could have fun with this defense. And so I think... You know, all bets are off. They should just go full unleashed and beat these guys yeah. up. Yeah, we'll definitely get to this defense in a second. Just want to point out before Alex jumps in, um, there was one play early in like the second drive, I want to say, where mm -hmm. it looked like they were going to run a bootleg, but Montez Sweat was right there, like ready to pounce mm -hmm. on Justin Herbert. And then after that, it was like, okay, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Which, again, is very smart to adjust on the fly and, you know, kind of take that package out. Yeah, I, I think the big thing to watch is definitely going to be, I guess, in the vein of what Tyler's saying, how 
quick Justin Herbert gets the ball out because um, I think that they're going to ha- let some plays develop. And, you know, if it's a play action or a bootleg, just kind of do that and, you know, get those longer plays that can burn the defense because I think you're just more able to do that against this Dallas defense than you are Washington. In that vein, I think my biggest storyline is how they're going to try to replace Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, I think that that's like the biggest yeah. point of contention. And, uh, you know, Micah Parsons is, you know, sort of the exhibit A to look for there. I think that he's probably going to be playing defensive end a little bit. I'm not going to be surprised if he's the guy that they put there. I think he's pretty much has to be almost always a pass rusher in this next game because of the DeMarcus Lawrence injury. Obviously, he'll have some coverage snaps. But I think, you know, uh, obviously, this is sort of like an X factor one. But I also just think because of how big, you know, the DeMarcus Lawrence situation is, Uh, you need someone who can at least take the heat off of these other Cowboys defensive linemen because uh, that part of the roster outside of Lawrence is not pretty. Uh, It's Terrell Basham, two third-round picks. Go crazy. Uh, So, yeah, they just definitely need a little bit more, and I think Michael Parsons is probably going to be who they put there. Um, and I think that's going to be something that the Cowboys are just going to focus in on in terms of trying to get that X factor in pass rush because all those all those Cowboys coaches just saw you know what the Chargers offensive line did to the you know arguably best defensive line in the league. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch. So that's kind of my main storyline going into this one is how they're going to use Michael Parsons and particularly how they're going to replace Demarcus Lawrence on such short notice. Yeah, speaking of uh, people saying really dumb things, Terrell Basham saying that he's excited <laughs> to play Brian Balaga because he hit the quarterback uh, a lot last year in their matchup. I don't think Brian Balaga played in that game, first of all. He didn't play. Second, he did play. Oh, he did play? Okay. Well, it's still dumb because he had, according to Pro Football Focus, zero hits on the quarterback, and according to Pro Football Reference, one. So uh, if that's a lot of hitting the quarterback, like <laughs> – your, your math is just really, really poor. Um, so that was really funny. But it is going to be really interesting to see how they replace Demarcus Lawrence. You know, I was interviewing uh, Jordan Tuck this week, and he one of the things that he was saying is that a lot of Cowboys are kind of frustrated with Lawrence because he's never really, like, a great player, but he's very mm-hmm. consistent. And so he, he's kind of a little underappreciated in Dallas because of that. And so I mean, he had five pressures last week, and he was really the only one that was pretty consistently getting pressure on Tom Brady. And so now that he's out and Randy Gregory is likely out as well because he tested positive for COVID. So it is going to be very interesting to see what this Dallas uh, defense does. I'm pretty surprised they didn't try to sign anyone uh, or bring someone in from the practice squad because it's bad. You know, I, I mean, they have, they can put Micah Parsons out there, but I think that kind of hurts their linebacking core more than it would help their pass rush. Because then you got to play Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh against the pass. And I don't know. Like, that's just a dicey situation for me, in my opinion. It's juicy no matter how you slice it. Parsons did get three pressures on 13 pass rush reps. I don't know if they were from the edge or from the middle or whatever. But the rest of the linebackers only had three total pass rush reps as it is. So they're going to have to be definitely very creative and somehow work Parsons in there as the rusher. But that's, I mean, that's fine, honestly. Parsons, personally, I'd rather him be out there as a, like a Mike, I don't know what he's playing, linebacker middle linebacker at this point i'd rather mm-hmm. him be out there and try to you know diagnose plays and then suck at them because that's kind of his his problem coming out of college is not being able to diagnose very well but yeah you know if they have him as a pass rusher that's fine because that, like you said it puts other players out there 
who are more susceptible to any Chargers player that they have. Yeah, agreed. And I think it'll just be interesting to kind of watch to see how they divvy up the snaps and, and, and do all that. But I wouldn't be surprised. We saw sort of like the Kenneth Murray game against the Patriots last year. It wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if that's sort of the Dallas MO with Parsons this game. Yeah, and uh, they'll need it because that defense is rough. Um, so I think the biggest storyline for me uh, is – you know, I, I don't want to piggyback off of like what we talked about a lot of, but to me, it's about the offensive line and like shocker, I know, but you know, <laughs> the offensive line to me, like I, I did a full breakdown on it. So go check that out. By the time you're listening to this, it probably hasn't come out yet, but it is on our Patreon page. Um, so the offensive line to me played like some very high level football against the Washington front. And, you know, it's barely not even the first quarter yet. And Washington already has a couple sacks on Daniel Jones. They have a bunch of pressures. Like we saw how good this offensive line played last week, and now they get an inferior opponent. So this really should be a game where the Chargers offensive line should be able to really establish their will and really kind of just do whatever they want. You know, I'm a little interested to see, like I said, Micah Parsons, if he is a pass rusher, kind of what that looks like. But this offensive line should dominate. And even if Brian Bulaga doesn't play, Storm Norton really like handled his own on Sunday and he really was very impressive against Chase Young too. Like he had the one bad rep against Montez Sweat. But other than that, I thought that he played very well. The Chargers definitely did a lot of things to throw some help his way, whether it be with Gabe Neighbors kind of chipping on the outside or Steven Anderson kind of double teaming him. You know, they did some max protect situations too. So I'm interested to see if they kind of open things up this week against the uh, Dallas Cowboys because they do not present the same kind of challenge. And so theoretically you could leave the offensive line more on an Island um, this week because you you have that confidence in them going in, which is so weird. Like I, I like literally like that gif of, of Will Ferrell in the movie where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like that's what I feel like <laughs> talking about the offensive line because we, okay. we have it like the, the 2018 offensive line was like, okay. But this group, like, legitimately, in my opinion, has, like, top 12 upside right now. And it's just, like, truly amazing to watch. Yeah, they're the, I believe right now they're fourth best in the league with a pass blocking efficiency of 92.9. The best they had of the Lynn era was 84.1, and they were 28th in the league. So, yeah, big, big step up so far. (laughs) Doing great. That is so bad, man. Oh, my gosh. I won't say it again. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, like, it should be much easier to run against this team this week, too. You know, the run, the rushing attack wasn't necessarily bad. You know, Austin Eckler did make up for a lot of of kind of errors because that's who Austin Eckler is. Mm -hmm. But the Washington defense had three members of its defensive line in the top 10 at their positions in ESPN's run win rate, which is, like, crazy good. So it, it, it goes both ways, right? Like, the pass rush isn't as good. And the run defense isn't as good either. Sorry, just circling back to this crap. Terrell Basham last week had a pass rush productivity of zero (laughs) and a win rate of zero. So what is he? What are we doing here, man? (laughs) Call that the uh, classic Jerry Tillery game. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, no, I I definitely think the run game will be more of a factor in this one for the offense because you know you just have to attack that interior, especially because. 
they're not going to have a Demarcus Lawrence who's drawing, you know, two, you know, uh, two double offensive teams. linemen. Yeah. Two, two double teams his way to the point where it opens up stuff for everybody else. Right. Like you're not going to have it this game unless, you know, Michael Parsons comes like streaking out the middle and he'll do that at points. But, you know, based on what this offensive line can do and what we saw and, you know, kind of the younger players and rookies really that the Cowboys are going have to throw out there. Like Austin Eckler and Larry Roundtree, I'm sure maybe Justin Jackson gets a little bit involved as well. Like, I feel like this is kind of a field day for them. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening as well. Um, all right, let's move on to the injury report because I think uh, there was a lot of negativity on Twitter about this, <laughs> as there always is. Uh, we'll start with the Cowboys because Marcus Lawrence is obviously out. And uh, Randy Gregory is hurt as well, or not hurt. He is tested positive for COVID. Um, other than that, they don't really have anybody of significance. Their third round pick, Chauncey Golston from Iowa, is one of their other backup defensive linemen. He didn't play last week uh, due to a hamstring injury. So it looks like he could uh, potentially make his debut. He was a full participant uh, in practice today. So that really is the only. Uh, notable one for the Cowboys. In terms of the Chargers, uh, it looks like Brian Bulaga is going to be a game-time decision, in my opinion. Uh, he has not practiced because of a back injury and a groin injury, apparently. Um, so what do you guys think? Do you think uh, Brian Bulaga plays this week, or do you think we kind of see him get a week off? You know, I mean, I think this goes back to sort of the Austin Eckler thing last week. All depends on Friday. You know, if he if he gets the limited practice uh, in, then I think they're going to try him out and see how far he can go and see how long he can go. If not, then I think they're going to start Storm Roden. Um, so I think it's sort of a toss-up still, uh, if, especially if it's leaning towards the direction of game-time decision anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean... The Brian Belaga thing is just tough, but I think because of what they proved last week against Washington, you know, go, going against that defensive line and being able to make the switch that's, you know, so late into the game, um, unfortunately, you know, just having to do that. But they showed themselves, right? And Storm Norton really impressed. Yeah. So to me, against this Dallas defensive line in particular, I'm not concerned, I guess. You know, it feels weird to say I'm not concerned about putting Storm Norton on the field, but right. really not uh, just because of, you know, what he showed last week and the level of talent, you know, decrease that they're sort of playing on the other side of the ball this week. So um, I think that Brian Balaga actually will go out there. Um, how long? <laughs> you know, he can play 50% of the game. He can play 75% of the game, 100% of the game. Yeah. Don't know, but um, I, I think they'll at least try to throw him out there, especially if he does get cleared with a sort of limited practice tomorrow. I'm sure they'd like him to play, and I'm sure he wants to be out there too, but last year he really pushed himself to get back onto the field, and all it did was make him go out for longer. He got back onto yeah. the field, it got hurt. It was just a struggle, and it really feels like he's been struggling with something ever since he tried to get back onto the field, and he just re-aggravated something. Every week it's something. He's trying to get back out there, it doesn't work out. And listen, they don't have Lawrence. They probably won't have Gregory. If there's a week to sit a, sit a guy that's playing tackle, this might be it, to be completely honest. The Chargers have made their commitment to keeping guys healthy for an entire season, if possible. And this is just this really doesn't seem like the game that you really want to put him out there and force him out there. This isn't, I don't know, let's say Cleveland or maybe Baltimore or I guess uh, even the Chiefs if Chris Jones is out there. You know, I just don't think this is really the game. And to be completely honest, 
at this point, I think they know they're going to move on from Brian Bulaga next year. And while I don't advocate for Storm Norton as you know right tackle number one moving forward next year, I do think it's worth evaluating him as much right. as you can. So I think it's kind of a win-win overall, especially against a, a a broken defensive line right now, or at least an edge group from the Cowboys. Let Norton go out there, see what he has. If he could string together another game, that'd be great. Unfortunately, last year, they put Cole Toner out there. He had a bunch of games, and they didn't keep him. So hopefully, if Norton <laughs> goes out there and has good games, maybe they will retain him next year. At least you can yeah. feel comfortable. Like Now you can officially move on from, from Trey Pipkins. You have a nice you know swing tackle sort of there, if he's right. good. So I, I don't think Belaga would play in this game. I don't think he should either. I, I agree. Like this is this is a game where someone like Brian Balaga should take a veteran day off, because next week it gets much harder with Chris Jones and Frank, Frank Clark. I know Clark has kind of been a disappointment, but he's still pretty good. Like he's much better than anything the Cowboys have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I agree. I think he should rest. Other than Bulaga, um, Nasir Adderley has not practiced. So we, there was. Um, a little instance where he was kind of limping off the field at one point. I think after McLaurin yeah. had that crazy catch, he's listed with a groin injury right now. He has not practiced. Uh, Brandon Staley said on Wednesday that he was going to be questionable to practice, and then he didn't practice yesterday mm-hmm. or today. Um, so that that's an interesting one, right? Because we have all said all offseason long, like we're a little bit concerned about the safety depth outside of Derwin James. And well, it's going to be tested, and the opposite is true this week. Like, this is a game where not having a Serie Adderley really, really matters, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. What do you kind of – do you think Adderley is going to play, and what do you think the solution is going to be if he doesn't? This is a really tough one for me to gauge. I don't know because I guess the good news is when he got hurt and was limping off, he did go back into the game. Yeah. So it's not like he you know tore something crazy and then was out for the rest of the game. He did go back in. I don't recall if he played the entire rest of the way or not, or just rotated with someone like Webb. Um, it would really be nice to have him out there, though, because if this cuts his season short or whatever's going on, it just makes him lose more games. It's a really tough start to the career for him. And it, we've really been waiting to see Jerwin James and Nisir Adderley. And if we don't get it again, I mean, that's really tough. And again, you know, they can lose Adderley four times before they lose Jerwin James. But it'd still be nice to have him out there because he, he's a big part of the defense. I do think he tried to come up and make some plays in the run game and against the Washington football team. So he's trying. Um, so I'd love to have him out there. But this one is a, is a really tough one for me. He didn't play in the preseason. So it's not like they're really concerned about the reps. Like they let him sit out the preseason. and He was just going to roll right into week one without any real reps. So I think he could just not practice this week. And then boom, he's ready for, for the game on, on Sunday. But this one's, this one's really tough for me to gauge because maybe if he didn't practice yesterday, fine. But not practicing today. On Thursday, that's really tough. So we'll see. Again, like now, I do agree with Alex. It does come down to Friday. Yeah, um, th- this might be a game where, I, frankly, I kind of feel like giving Nasir Adderley a week off. I, I don't know, uh, based on a groin injury and just, you know, all the weapons that the Cowboys could throw your way. Like, yeah. I, I would kind of let him fully get back. And to be honest, based on what I saw last week, I'd sort of rather have Alohi Gilman or Mark Webb in there. Um, I, I don't really know what Nasir Adderley was doing last week. It was some interesting gymnastics on some plays. Uh, but, yeah, he was a mess last week. And I just think, you know, whatever this groin injury that has been ailing him is, I think that they should just kind of take it rather slow just because you can aggravate that groin injury. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're talking about safety death. And to be honest, 
based on what we saw last week, I don't think the drop off in performance from, you know, uh, Adderley to Gilman and Webb is that much, honestly, especially when you have someone like Derwin James on the field who kind of compensates for it and is the real, you know, safety and, you know, guy who plays at all three levels. So um, I'd sort of like to, you know, like Tyler said with Balaga, see Adderley get the week off and, and just kind of go from there, see what he is next week, because this is a game where you do need him. But, you know, considering how he played last week, plus the injury, I feel like he may be a bit of a liability on the field. What I'll say about Adderley is that one of the things that we kind of saw, or at least I felt like I saw watching the season was that it just kind of felt like he wasn't trusting his instincts, mm-hmm. um, you know, really at, at the way that you would hope that a defensive back like him does, especially when he flashed such great instincts at Delaware. But there were instances in which I was like, okay, there's the Nasir Adderley that I saw on film coming out of college. Like he had a run stop where he came uh, from the deep, uh, deep shell and he kind of knifed through a couple of tackle or a couple of blockers, made a nice tackle against the run. And while the execution was not great, he did make a really good read on the on the ball that was completed to Terry McLaurin. He just needs to come down with it. And then the weird one, though, was the touchdown because his, his, his initial diagnosis was really, really good. But then he went like over the top of Logan Thomas instead of trying to undercut him, which probably would have given him an interception. So it was really weird to me to watch just kind of how somebody who the coaching staff has deemed really, really smart and like really aware and like has this great, has these great instincts. It was weird to see someone like that with like that kind of description, not make that kind of play. Ronaldo Hill said he thinks it's kind of a, is a correctable issue today. We'll have to see. I don't know. Like it's just early last season. I felt like he was reading right. And just like late or just like, Mm -hmm. you know, wrong by a smidge of like reading the leverage. And that's how it felt like yesterday or on Sunday too, again. So I don't know. It's a tough situation for Nasir Adderley. I I hope that he's able to be healthy and come back from this. I'm not going to go as far to say I'd rather see Elohi Gilman. Um, But I I think, you know, I really am hoping that he improves because they need him. I think it's very similar to the Jerry Tillery thing. Like I think the defense will be fine if he's not great. But obviously if Nasir Adderley is like reaching his peak, then that makes the defense that much more difficult uh, to play against. Yeah, as much as I've kind of poo-pooed on Alohi Gilman as a not great backup option, he's played a little bit better. But still, I'm I'm yeah. not going to be like, yeah, you know, I just sit out early for a week, like <laughs> that'd be fine. Like I mean, now, if his injury does hamper him, and yeah. if that injury potentially hampered him That's on that touchdown play, then sure, of course, like then yeah, if, if it's going to hurt you, it's going to hurt the team, sure. But if he can get out there. I'd love to see him out there because it's also so much about communication. If you watch the, the Dallas Cowboys and the Rams play in week one, I think it was last season, the communication in the secondary was the reason that Dak Prescott didn't do anything against that. Ram- well, okay. Aaron Donald really helps and Jalen Ramsey really yeah. helps, but the communication in the secondary, the way they were rotating and you could see what the Cowboys were trying to do. And as soon as Dak was trying to do it, they would rotate somebody over like John Johnson and be like, Oh crap. And he'd make the throw or he couldn't make the throw because the defenders in the secondary rotating so well. So, you know, as much as even if the talent difference isn't, I don't, I really don't know what Nasir Adelie's like RAS score was, but I know that Elohi Gilman and Mark Webb aren't exactly up there, but even yeah. if the talent wasn't all that much different, I think the, the, well, hopefully the cerebral part, I think Adelie should have 
better understanding of what the defense wants to do over someone like Gilman, who is basically like a downhill safety, in my opinion, and then Webb, who I really like, but he's still a rookie. So I would still, yeah, much, much prefer Adderley out there. So it's my roundabout way of saying, Alex, ease up on this year, Adderley, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, let's move on to somebody that Alex is really, really high on, and that is Justin Jones. Um, it seems like it's kind of just going to be, you know, a veteran day off. Apparently he just had cramps, but then now he hasn't practiced this week. Um, I will say about Justin Jones, like if he had been able to stay on the field, that would have been his best game as a pro. Like he really flashed some great signs against the run and as a pressure, his, his two as a pressure, as a pass rusher, excuse me, uh, his two pressures that he was able to register in the first half were like some really high level play. Um, and he beat, he whooped Brandon Scherf a couple of times, which was, you know, really awesome to watch. Um, so not having him, I potentially not having him is a big issue in my opinion, especially against, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, who I know is, isn't like the same player he was anymore, but this team needs Justin Jones to be out there, especially if Jerry Tillery is going to put up another goose egg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they really need Justin Jones, particularly just in the run game, you know, getting after the passer or whatever it is like. I mean, we saw it on Sunday, like Antonio Gibson explodes in the second half as soon as Justin Jones is out of the game. Uh, and that's yeah. partially due to him not being there uh, and Jerry Tillery having to play that kind of bigger role on the inside. Obviously, he kind of switched between the inside and the outside um, and, you know, just sort of the run defense sort of slagging off in general. So I think they really need him to be in the middle there. And that sort of allows Jerry Tillery, you know, to kind of, you know, just focus on pass rushing, uh, you know, not that he was great at that last week, but, you know, not having to kind of come up and make run stops and, you know, sort of focus on that uh, and take some of those Justin Jones responsibilities when he's off the field, that'll help really the entire defensive line, in my opinion. So this is kind of like the most crucial, I would say, will he play, will he won't, uh, in my opinion, when we talk about Adderley and Balaga. Uh, and Jones, because I think you can kind of get away with putting in Norton for Balaga this week. I yeah. think you can honestly get away with putting uh, Gilman in for Adderley. I don't really think you can get away with, you know, just putting in Tillery kind of in place of Jones. Obviously, Covington will help and Covington will step up too. Uh, and I was really impressed with what we saw with him last week. But, yeah. you know, I think you're kind of really kind of pushing the depth if Jones isn't able to play. And, you know, Tillery's probably not going to be making a difference in the run game, although I do think he'll have a better pass rushing week. So, Stephen, you watch the tape. So, Justin Jones, first of all, I'm so happy to hear that he had a great game or half of a game it because... It was really good, man. Like, really, that, really good. That makes me so happy because we've kind of been hearing about it. We kind of saw it. But, of course, you know, we hear all the hype and then nothing happens. Like, yeah. another defensive tackle. So, I'm glad to hear that, like, he looked the part in this one. So, but my question is, when because I know Christian Covington is technically their backup nose tackle, that's kind of the point, but he can play sort of wherever. So when Jones went out, yeah. was it Covington that kind of took his spot, or was Covington rotating with Joseph, or was it Banks that took Jones' spot? Uh, they did a lot more four man fronts after that, they didn't do a whole lot of three man interior defensive tackle groups when Jones went down. Okay, so it was a lot of Covington. Um, Eric Blank Banks played a little bit and like. I, I I don't want to see him play again. <laughs> I, I hate to be mean, but uh, like, please Jeez. put Braden Fajoko up there over him, please, for the love of God. 
Uh, <laughs> it was not pretty. Jeez. Was that uh, bad? It was really bad, man. Like Charles <laughs> Leno, like you roasted Charles Leno last week and Leno whooped him like three or four times, like oh. in a bad way. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, be patient, but like I would much rather see Brain Fajoko out there at this point, especially this week. Um, and so I think he'll be elevated right off the practice squad, him or Forrest Merrill. Um, if Justin Jones can't go, I would lean more towards yeah. Fajoko because he offers more as a pass rusher um, and he's able mm-hmm. to play out on the three technique, four technique, five technique. That's not really Forrest Merrill's game. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I really need to see Justin Jones out there because I thought he was, like I said, really, really fantastic in that first half. Yeah, I guess that goes into like, what are they trying to do with Banks? Because I feel like yeah. when Justin Jones comes off the field, that should really just be Christian Covington. Obviously, like you have to play, I guess, Banks and, and maybe Tillery some reps there. But like, I don't know, Banks is like 6'4", 270. <laughs> like, I, I just sort of question what he's going to do in there, uh, you know, with his sort of slender frame compared to somebody like Justin Jones, who's just kind of yeah. eating up on the inside. Like, yeah. you know, obviously I think from a pass rushing standpoint, like banks can still be pretty effective. Sure. I, you know, I think Staley knows that, but in the run game, like Antonio Gibson showed it in the second half. And I sure don't want that happening with Zeke and Pollard, like Steven said. Yeah. So, um, that's pretty much it in terms of people that are potentially not playing. Derwin James is back at practice today. Uh, Trey Marshall is back at practice in a full capacity. He was limited yesterday. Um, so he probably would be that fourth safety uh, if Nasir um, Adderley is not able to go. Um, and then Tristan Viscaino uh, unfortunately popped up on the injury report with an illness. Um, but Jeff Miller of the LA times did point out that he was on the field surrounded by teammates. So, you know, likely means that he probably just had like food poisoning. So he had the shits? (laughs) (laughs) But it's good that he doesn't have trauma because right. Right. My first instinct now, whenever I see illness is obviously COVID and they don't have a right on the practice squad. So the fact that it's not COVID or at least likely isn't COVID, I think is obviously good news. Well, Badgley is available. Badgley is available. Oh man, that was that was so predictable. Um, all right, we're gonna move on now to the key matchups. I can't believe it's been 32 minutes already, and we haven't even gotten through half the show. All right, here we go. Key matchups. I'm gonna start this one off if you guys don't mind. I think for me, one of the key matchups that I'm really focusing on is whoever is going against the Dallas Cowboys slot corner, Anthony Brown. He's number 30. Uh, you'll probably hear his name a lot this week because Tom Brady targeted him 10 times last week and he completed nine of those 10 passes for 134 yards, one touchdown and a passer rating of 152. So uh, he's playing in the slot, which means he's going to see a lot of Keenan Allen this week, um, which is not Uh going to be pretty. Uh, So if you have Keenan Allen, you're probably starting him in fantasy anyways. Uh, but do not even hesitate to start Keenan Allen this week because I think he's going to have a monster game again against the Cowboys. I loved seeing all of the memories of Keenan Allen's game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, one of my favorite Chargers games of my life. Uh, So I think Keenan Allen's going to be doing something very similar this week. Yeah, I'll go for my key matchup and say CeeDee Lamb versus Asante Samuel. 
Uh, I think that that's sort of going to be the matchup there because you're going to put Michael Davis on Amari Cooper. Um, obviously, they'll sort of rotate on the receivers, and I don't think it'll necessarily right. be a one-on-one. But because Michael Davis is going to be primarily handling Amari Cooper, I think that responsibility is going to fall to uh, maybe a divvying up between uh, Samuel and probably Chris Harris. Uh, and I do not trust Chris Harris to cover CeeDee Lamb. I'm sorry. That man is just, he's a bad man. Uh, and so, you know, I think you just got to yeah. get Asante Samuel in there. Um, he did have the PI last week, uh, obviously. But I, other than that, okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't disagree. But, <laughs> you know, he, he obviously played pretty well outside of that. And so I feel pretty confident. But also, this is just a general step up in competition because, you know, you're <laughs> You're yes. not going against Deami Browns and Adam Humphreys. You're going against CeeDee Lamb. And I, I right. think this is going to be just a really tough matchup. And just the fact that Dallas can be, you know, uh, all of these weapons deep, it just makes, you know, this one kind of the, the key matchup stop. Because uh, I feel fairly confident in the idea of Michael Davis stopping Amari Cooper. Obviously, I think there will be times where he gets the better of him. Uh, but I don't think he'll necessarily blow by him for some 60-yard touchdown just because you know just because Michael Davis can keep up with his speed. Uh, right. So I think Asante and if Dak starts to pick on him a little bit, uh, maybe with CD or with one of the other wide receivers, uh, I think that that could be sort of troubling. So I'm going to say Asante Samuel Jr. is sort of both the X factor and also the key matchup with CD. Yeah, as far as Davis and Cooper, you know, even Jalen Ramsey gave up seven catches on eight targets to Cooper. He's going to do his best. Um, I think he would be fine. He's definitely a guy that I, I think the Diggs, or excuse me, not Diggs, the Diggs and Davis, that matchup, I don't know if it's similar to Cooper and Davis, but it's kind of like more like a route runner kind of guy versus like a sure. phenom, like a prime Julio Jones sort of guy. So I feel good-ish about that matchup. But listen, as long as he makes a couple of plays, holds them to less than 100 yards, maybe not a touchdown, that's fine. But like you said, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, that's definitely one to watch. So I know, Steven, you really liked C.D. Lamb coming out of college. Obviously, you liked Asante Samuel Jr. as well. Yes. What was – listen, I watched freaking no Cowboys games, um, just like all the Cowboys don't watch any Chargers games apparently. And <laughs> what was C.D. Lamb's like biggest calling card? And is that someone that Asante Samuel Jr. would match up well with, or is it going to be kind of a nightmare? I think Asante will match up well with it because I think CD's best attribute, in my opinion, is his physicality after the catch. Like he he's not your mm. typical yards after catch guy in the sense where he's just going to catch it and run past you. But he's just so mm. strong at the point of attack where, you know, he's going to, you know, catch the ball, catch a slant and break a couple tackles and make a big play that way. So that's why I agree. You know, I, I think they'll probably use Chris Harris on him a little bit. But, you know, Asante and even Derwin James to me is the better matchup because, you know, I'm I'm not super worried about CeeDee Lamb kind of beating me deep. I'm more really worried about him, you know, catching a slant, breaking a couple tackles or catching a curl, breaking a couple tackles, catching a wheel route, a swing route. Like that's really how they use him. They use him as a yards after the catch guy just because he's so physical and physically gifted after the catch yeah right oh, and i would also that. Just I, say I, I, like sorry i would also just say one example of that play you know from last week was uh on that final drive when the cowboys were trying to get in field goal range right and cd lamb breaks that huge catch 
that yes. you know uh, he gets like into the 40 yard line in field goal range like that's the kind of stuff he can do uh, obviously the Cowboys don't win the game because they leave too much time on the clock for Tom Brady but that's just one of those ways you can change the game yeah nice my key matchup is going to be uh, the interior defensive line versus whatever combination of interior offensive linemen sounds like Martin is going to be playing right guard. So you have yeah. some combination of Zach Martin, Connor Williams, Tyler Biedas, Connor McGovern. I don't know if Williams is going to play at all because he was the right guard and they don't kick Martin out. Then I guess Williams is not playing, which is odd. And I know you talked to uh, yeah. talk about this, but having Questenberry as a great backup, but not using him because they think he's only a center and the coaches can be stubborn. But um, as far as Biedas and McGovern go, they gave up 10 pressures on 69 snaps. Haha. Uh, last week against the Bucks, And there's a couple yeah. storylines here. The, the obvious one being, I mean, I didn't realize this. I don't recall a drop off this significant, but Dak Prescott under pressure versus not under pressure this year. So not under pressure, passer rating of 113, under pressure, 68. Last year, when not under pressure, 117, under pressure, 44.8. I don't recall a drop off by like the fifties and sixties in passer rating in hey. pressure versus non-pressure. So getting pressure on these guys, because listen, most is going to kill the right tackle. Whoever it is, he's going to kill him. <laughs> but yeah. to me, like we, Wait, but he's lazy though, funny. Tyler. He's lazy. Oh, that's right. I forgot. He's going to quit after the first five plays, especially if they run right at him. <laughs> kill me. Um, the thing about, but the, I guess the, the story then on the other flip side of that is what, like we've kind of talked about this. What is this interior defensive line going to look like? I need yeah. Justin Jones to play a whole game. It sounds like he played great, but not for a whole game. Jerry Jillery played a whole game and he stunk. You know, please, like, please, I don't want to be right about Jerry Tillery not looking good. I don't want to, don't want to be, you know, the butthole who's like, oh yeah, seeing the phenomenal thing, it didn't really make any sense. Of course he's not phenomenal. But then he does. If he goes out and puts up freaking a pass rush win rate of zero, what am I supposed to do? But I don't want to be right about that. But here we are, and then. Christian Covington was probably your best guy. Yeah, how much is he going to play? Banks apparently looked terrible and he didn't do anything in that game. What is he going to do? Are they going to call up yeah. Bahoko? The whole interior defensive line has been really, really strange. What they've been doing with who they select, kept and then cut and then brought in and sitting some guys. And then, of course, the guys that they sat didn't play well. The guy like Covington that they let ball out in the preseason, who balled out in the preseason, was their, probably their best interior defensive lineman of the game. So what's going on? Because even just talking to the team source, it's like they don't know what's going on. They're as confused as yeah. we are about what happened with the interior defensive line room. So what is happening? So again, I want a lot. There are a lot of questions in that group that need to be answered. And then also they need to get after Dak Prescott because his passer rating stinks under pressure. Yeah, just a couple of things, um, at, at least according to Jordan Tuck, um, McGovern is the backup interior offensive lineman. So uh, it's going to be okay. Connor Williams and Tyler Bedaz and then Zach Martin, it looks like. Um, McGovern gotcha. is kind of that swing guy. You can play all three spots, um, but they don't really want to commit to him as a starter. I think they drafted Connor Williams, if I remember correctly, like early in the second round a couple of years ago. So he uh, is mm -hmm. kind of that guy. For what it's worth, Brandon Thorne had him in his top 15 at left guards. So I think he, I mean, he gets compared to Zach Martin every single year, and that's just like not really fair because Zach Martin is like one of the best offensive linemen we've ever seen. So I think Williams is okay. But if the interior defensive line is going to have, you know, a good game, like it's going to come against Bidaz and Williams because, you know, nobody's getting past Zach Martin. Like, you know, a lot of the interior guys had a tough time with Brandon Scherf last week, um, besides Justin Jones. Um, and 
Zach Martin is way better than Brandon Scherf. So uh, going to be tough sledding there. Um, and yeah, as for the interior guys, like you mentioned the 10 pressures, BNS had seven of them. Like BNS was not great. Uh, so we'll move right into the X factors because my X factor is Linval Joseph. Linval Joseph obviously mm. lines up as the nose tackle more often than not for the Chargers. And he's he's clearly not the same player that he once was, but you see glimpses of it, right? Like Brandon Thorne posted a video of it. You know, there was another video that I posted today where you see just how explosive he is at shedding blocks, getting into the backfield. Um, there was that one holding call on Uchenna and Wosu after I think uh, I think it was Jarrett Patterson had a, a good run that got called back. That was Linval Joseph blowing up the play and forcing Jarrett Patterson to bounce outside. So I'm not fully confident in Tyler Biedas as a center. He didn't really show much last week. Kind of got dominated, of course. It was Vita Vea. Like, Vita Vea is freaking amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah. Linval Joseph, he's, if he's able to get, you know, a couple pressures here and there and maybe get a sack. We didn't see him have a sack last season, so I'm waiting for, for the big guy sack dance this year. Um, so Linval Joseph is my X factor for this game. Uh, I'm going to build off that and actually say that Jerry Tillery is my X factor. Um, I just sort of think we need to see it. And because of the state of the Dallas uh, offensive line, like, you know, you're going to have Joey Bosa, who's going to be, you know, able to kind of, I think, take care of those tackles and, um, you know, sort of, they'll be able to do well at edge. I think it's just going to be how they sort of maximize their interior rush. Um, especially if Justin Jones isn't playing, obviously, you know, it's still cramps. We'll wait and see, but because Linval's sort of older and I, you know, I just don't trust Eric Banks, obviously, <laughs> I think this game really comes down to potentially kind of Covington and Jerry Tillery when it comes to that interior pass rush. And, yeah. you know, I, I think Covington is much more your run stuffer guy, although he will get after the passer. Jerry Tillery is the guy that we've seen glimpses from for as much shit as we give him uh, all the time. Uh, you know, he's had the Chiefs game. He's had those other games where he could have a sack and five QB hits, right? So I just really yeah. want to see kind of a consistent through the game effort. And I think that he's the X factor for that reason, because, you know, uh, Zeke Elliott is not going to be coming out to block, uh, you know, uh, Jerry Tillery. He's going to be focusing on Joey Bosa and some of the other guys there. So I think Jerry Tillery kind of getting through that offensive line and being able to maybe get that occasional pressure or just kind of drag Dak Prescott down. Like those are the kind of plays uh, I think we'll need on this one. Uh, so for me, it's just, you know, if we can get at least maybe let's say two pressures in a QB hit, I think that would be a huge kind of bounce back week for Jerry Tillery. Um, so I think he's the X factor just because of the, the health status of the interior offensive line or the interior defensive line, I should say, and it's age. Yeah, I, I hope, I hope he does well this week. Again, I'd love to go in a different direction, start a new narrative with him that he's an ascending player who looks great. So I, I'd yeah. love for either of these guys to play well. My X factor is going to be Jalen Guyton, and I'm actually going to pick a player that is hopefully going to be active this game. Last week, I went a little too <laughs> X-Factor with Trey McKitty, and he didn't even end up suiting up. Oh, so Jalen Guyton, I'm fairly confident he's going to play this time. Uh, I did not realize that Dan Quinn was still the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys because I believe he was last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. No, he was the head coach of the Falcons last year. Wow, he must have been really bad then. So anyway, <laughs> uh, well, I, I forgot he was the defensive coordinator this year. 
Uh, and Jalen Guyton, to me, if they're running that same Seattle cover three, which I assume that they are, him either along the seams, you know, potentially being covered by some poor linebacker, that stinks yeah. for the defense. But you could also work him in the flat because you saw Guyton targeted in the flat against the Washington football team pretty early on. I don't remember if it was like a, I think it was like a pre-snap motion and then it was a, sort of like a swing sort of pass. So you can use, you know, motion to free him up or, or you can run him from the slot, whatever you want to do with him. Plenty of things you can do with Guyton. And I do think, you know, in general, Keenan Allen's going to feast anyway against the slot corner. Mike Williams, I don't know. The, the Cowboys don't have great corners as is, so you can feast no matter what. But someone like Guyton who can work in the flot, who can work at the seams, which is the cover three defense is not going to be good against, I think he is the X factor for this game. And despite the fact that he had that one ball bounce off his helmet, the other one was kind of a hospital ball that he didn't catch, he didn't make enough plays where you can still have that trust in him. That, you know, that great um, sort yeah. of back shoulder fade catch, the one catch that he had where he broke multiple tackles and ran down the sideline. You can trust him to make plays. So I think they should lean on him again. I know that all the attentions on Allen and Williams, and deservedly so, but I think Guyton is your X factor here because he can really attack this defense specifically. Yeah, so everything that we've heard, it seems like Dan Quinn is running mostly cover three, you know, concepts. There was that play that, you know, a lot of people were like making fun of Micah Parsons because he had to like come up and attack the run and then float back and he kind of looked lost. Um, that's kind of just like his responsibility on the play. It just like wasn't pretty. Um, right. So th- they do kind of mix yeah. it up. Dan Quinn is much more aggressive than Gus Bradley, who uh, ran two blitzes against the Ravens uh, on Monday night. So Dan Quinn's not <laughs> Did afraid it one to work blitz. or both work. They, yeah, they both work. Both of them ended up in pressures or a sack. <laughs> like it, it's remarkable. Like I said this last year, like every time that Gus yeah. Bradley called a blitz last year, it freaking worked. It just, they never did it. <laughs> um, so Dan Quinn is much more oh, aggressive man. than Bradley. You know, there is some, you know, cover two looks in there and there is some man blitzes in there. So they, they mix it up a little bit more. Um, but it is primarily like the cover three. So um, Jalen Guyton definitely deserves a shout out. He was really, really good last game. And, and, you know, particularly as like a run blocker, I was really surprised at how mm. physical he was in that department. Um, and I think Trayvon Diggs is probably going to get Mike Williams. I think because Diggs is kind of the most physical corner that they have. And he's not a slot guy. Like I think he would get cooked mm-hmm. by Keenan Allen, but I think he could handle Mike Williams kind of relatively well. Yeah. All right. So uh, any other X factor mentions you guys want to mention here before we get to the bolt predictions? No, I'm good with, we have to get to the bolt predictions. Okay. Let's get to these bolt predictions. We have we're, to. Okay. We're keeping the name. So um, last week, you know, obviously we had the Kyler Fackrell thing, which didn't really work out. Uh, but then again, chasing wasn't very productive either. Um, so Alex, we'll start with you here. What is kind of your, your bolt prediction uh, in some terms of maybe someone who surprisingly stands out or, or what have you. You know, I got a lot of shit last week because <laughs> I said Josh Palmer would have six receptions for 45 yards and a touchdown. You know what? Yeah. That was bold because he had one catch for like 10 yards. So, you know what? Uh, it I was, was a great catch, though. <laughs> it was a great catch. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go a little bit bold. Uh, I think Gronk really kind of put a number on that Dallas defense last week. I don't really think that they're going to be great on, with tight ends in the middle. Uh, I'm going to say Jared Cook, eight catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. Oh, I like that. That is that is bold. He had a good game last week. It was just, you know, a couple, um, 
you know, glitches here and there from Justin Herbert, which were good throws, but it's going to be an adjustment period for Jerrica going from Drew Brees to Justin Herbert. Um, Tyler, what is your bold prediction for this week? The Chargers win by 20 points. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's we're going balls. there already. <laughs> All right. Explain why you feel that way. Because the Cowboys sort of at this point potentially could remind me of the Chargers versus Patriots last year. The Cowboys are dead last in special teams DVOA right now. They are unhealthy. The Chargers are very healthy. Well, I hope so. We'll see you tomorrow. It seems like they're very healthy. They have a great offensive line. They have a quarterback who can make plays. And I don't really trust the Cowboys to be very good. Like I said, this is the fourth. This this offensive line is currently fourth best in the NFL. And I feel like they have the coaching staff to do it. They have the personnel to beat this team. They're great in the trenches, whereas the Cowboys right now are very susceptible to a team that is very good in the trenches. And so I think at home, you know, again, they won't have a home field advantage necessarily, but it does mean something to be playing in your stadium. Staley knows this quarterback. He beat this quarterback before. He held Dallas and, and Dak Prescott and all those weapons to, I think, like 10 points or whatever it was. They didn't really do much that game. I really believe in the coaching staff, and I think they're getting the Cowboys at the right time. So I think the Cowboys, excuse me, the Chargers, again, this is a bold prediction. that They win by 20 points. I mentioned this earlier as a potential blowout, and I'm sticking with it. I hope they beat the Cousin Humpers, man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Tyler. That was, that was excellent. Um, Sorry, I offended the Cousin Humpers. Oh, I know. I'm not going to go that bold, but I'm going to say you mentioned him earlier. I'm going to say Asante Samuel Jr. gets his first regular season interception, and I think he has a very good game against C.D. Lamb and company. Um, just loved the way that he kind of bounced back from that stupid penalty, which you watched it all 22. The dude barely touched Deami Brown, like barely made contact at all. And then he still undercut the pass, made a great play on the ball, made a couple of great plays on the ball last week. And I'm going to say this week he gets his first career interception. Cool. I like good, good stuff. I, awesome. Well, I think the good game is bold. I don't know if the interception is going to be as bold, but him having a good game, I think, is a bold prediction because it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. This this Dallas passing attack is uh, is brutal. So, Stephen, um, you got the uh, milk toast bolt prediction this week. <laughs> milk toast? Is that a, an East Coast expression? Milk toast? That's a Mike McCoy expression. I, oh, I, is I, it? I, didn't Mike McCoy say milk, milk toast? toast Mike? I don't know. Milk toast? No, no just... not in Mike. We we described it as milk toast, Mike. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, but Steven, you're in a foreign country. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to switch gears now and pick some of our games for uh, around the league this week. The, we all said that we all agreed to pick underdogs and underdog each week. This week is kind of brutal for underdogs. There's a lot of like <laughs> double digit point underdogs, which is just gross. Um, Tyler, I'll let you start off this week. Uh, who, which two are you picking outright to win and who's your underdog you're picking to win this week? Yeah. So last week, let's see, I'm very competitive now. So last week I went with like, Oh, you know, like bill Steelers, like it's a close game. I'll go with it. Nah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the blowouts this time. So I'm going to pick, um, outright <laughs> win Browns over Texans. Sorry. Whoever wanted that one and bucks over Falcons. Thanks for those two. Wins wow. You took the two, you took the two easy ones. Come <laughs> on, man. You let me go first. <laughs> I can pick a different one. I can pick a different one. No, you stay. Pick the two you want. Pick the two you want. <laughs> I'll go third next time. You should let me go third. Okay. Um, great. I'm glad I got to go first. I had a lot more info. You know. Okay. 
And then upset of the week. You really want to go first on this one too, because there's really only sort of one upset of the week that kind of makes sense. No, okay, go I'm for thinking, it. Um, I don't know what the line is anymore. So maybe this doesn't count. Miami over the Bills? Are they close uh, now? It's three points, so you can count that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's the only one I'd take because I ain't taking the other ones. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Uh, that's a good three picks. Um, great that you got those two out of the way. Uh, I'm going to go with the, <laughs> the Rams over the Colts. Uh, I will take that outright. Uh, my second pick... I'm actually going to go head-to-head on with Tyler. I'm going to go Bills over the Dolphins. I think they bounce back this week. Uh, So I will go head-to-head. Man, the upsets of the week this week are really tough, huh? Um, (laughs) Fuck it. I'm riding it again. Birds beat the Niners. Oh man, what are the, what's that line at right now? Oh, oh, they're uh, only Niners, down. They're only three point five dogs. Yeah. yeah, they're at home. Mm-hmm. I like that one. All right, so uh, my first pick of the week, I'm going to take the Steelers <laughs> over the Raiders. Uh, there was a lot of victory lapping going on from Raider Nation last week, uh, even though the Ravens had like 37 players on injured reserve. So I'm going <laughs> to take the Steelers. I think that defensive line and specifically the front seven really is just so, so good. Um, And if there's, there aren't many players that can slow Darren Waller down, but I think Mika Fitzpatrick is one of them. Uh, So I'm going to take the Steelers over the Raiders. Um, Let's see. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks over the Tennessee Titans. Wait, I picked the Seahawks last week, didn't I? Yeah, I did. I'm going to pick someone else. Um, I'll take the New Orleans Saints over the Carolina Panthers. Um, I just think the Saints are really good this year. And then underdog um wow do it no i'm not going for the big one man like heck no if we were talking about like covering like i could maybe talk myself into one of the bigger underdogs this week but um in terms of winning outright uh i'm gonna take the Bengals over the chicago bears which i don't know if this is that necessarily an underdog but um the bears are favored by three right now so i'm gonna pick that's, the that's Bengals fine that one. yeah there that's we go. fine <laughs> I got Bucks Falcons and then yeah. Browns Texans. So, so just for those listening, we are doing a bet at the end of the year for the three of us. We're going to take whoever has the best record at the end uh, is going to get a jersey of choice uh, paid for by the other two. So right now, um, Alex and I are each one and two, and Tyler is two and one because of those freaking Raiders and that Raiders. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that stupid win on Monday Night Football. Um, it's a stupid right. win that counts. <laughs> that is true. All right, let's wrap this show up uh, talking about our score predictions this week. Um, I'll start us off on this one. I felt pretty confident about this game heading in. And that confidence has really only increased since Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory are going to be out. I, we were kind of talking beforehand. It really just seems like the Chargers defense just has to stop the, the Cowboys offense like one or two times. Uh, and then the offense should be able to score enough points to win. So I think that's kind of the bar. And I think the Chargers are going to clear that. So I'm going to take the Chargers over the Cowboys 31 to 27. Yeah, this was one of those games that I sort of was just thinking about what I would predict on the show. And I was like, okay, it'll be a three, four point kind of game. 
um, you know, particularly when Demarcus Lawrence was still, you know, active and, and stuff like that. Uh, I got the Chargers by 10. Uh, Chargers 34, wow. Dallas 24, now less bold because of what Tyler did. Uh, <laughs> but I do think they uh, come out on top in this one. And, uh, you know, this team is just not as scary to me as Washington was last week, um, just because I think the defense defensive play is much more sound. Uh, in Washington and I think the offense is scary but the positioning of that defense like Demarcus Lawrence is their kind of Joey Bosa obviously I'm not saying he's as good of a player but oh but as as far as a guy like I've seen that guy you know manhandle some uh you know Eagles offensive lineman in the past like he's really good so not having him is just a problem uh, and then we talk about their defense, like their corners outside of Trevon Diggs and even Trevon Diggs, because he's going to be going against Keenan Allen. They're like, I just don't love that matchup. So I think the Cowboys offense will show up. I would not predict them to get any less than, say, 24 or like Stevens at 27 points. Um, but for me, I, I just think maybe they will throw that. one turnover this is how his defense is so i got the chargers 34 24 i like it i i guess i'll stick with my 20 points i don't you, have, my you have to at this point i think i have to stick with it now <laughs> so uh yeah the, the the los angeles chargers with listen if anybody's lucky it's me and i'll be bringing my parents who are lucky my fiance steven's going to be there his wife's going to i heard book everyone's going to be there it's going to be a great day. I believe in everything that the Chargers are doing right now. The Cowboys are hurt, not good in the trenches, give or take. And their special team stinks. And they have a guy running cover three. So it's kind of like the Chargers last year. So I'm going to say, that, yeah, they win by 20 points. I'm not going any more than 20 because holy shit. But let's <laughs> go with, um, well, that's a big number. Let's go 37-17 Chargers win. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I'm sure the Cowboys will just, my face will be on their lockers and everything. is bulletin board material. <laughs> they're all yeah. listening to the show uh, yeah the 37 17 chargers man this offense scoring 37 points would be electric especially in the home opener so i hope you're right we'll do it the first half yeah the first half so all three of us picking the chargers this week uh one of those weeks that it seems like all of us have a lot of confidence so really excited about this as tyler mentioned i'll be at the game can't wait to attend sofi stadium um this is brooks like real first nfl game because the other previous uh, instances have been at StubHub, so really excited to mm. take her to her first real NFL game. Uh, excited to meet Tyler and his family as well. Uh, we are going to be doing our live recap on Monday because I have to drive home right after the game, and I'm probably going to get home at like midnight. Uh, so that's going to happen. But uh, Alex, any final thoughts before we head out today? Uh, no, I'm just really excited for the game. Hope everyone has fun. Uh, I hope that the ticketing stuff is real. So everybody who has tickets, go to the game and don't resell them to Cowboys fans or, you know, anyone else. So, you know, bolt up. Yes, please, yes. please, if you can, if you're on the fence, go to the game. We need you guys to be there. Fortunately, I'll be with a couple more people that I know. And if things get rough, I'm going to yell for Steven. He can come help me out. <laughs> um, but I, I really hope you guys 
to show up and cheer loud. Uh, I, listen, I will even cheer my heart out at the stupid trumpet thing, the charge, whatever. <laughs> I will cheer my heart out and you will hear me screaming from the rooftops. If you hear anybody yelling louder than anybody else at that stadium, you know where I am because that's my dad probably yelling that loud. So um, can't wait to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. How often do you get to go to the first, well, Chargers game, home opener, new stadium? That probably won't happen again in my lifetime. Maybe one more time. It'll be me being like wheeled in or something like that at that <laughs> point. So, you know, you don't get to do this very often. So if you get to go, go. And if you're there, can't wait to meet you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Going to be an electric atmosphere. Super excited about that. Uh, please go check out my breakdown on the offensive line. Check out Arjun's preview of this game and as well as his recap. Check out Tyler's videos as well. Alex will be doing some bull beat articles, I assume. That should be coming out pretty shortly here. So go check out all of those. Thank you guys for tuning in. And again, if you are unable to go attend the game, please attend Chicky Chicky. Uh, wings and sports our official sports bar of the guilty as charged podcast thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll see you guys later for years minky couture has been donating blankets to nick use across the country owner sandy henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator we want to help other NICU families with the heart of minky program for every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world.